welcome to the Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization while providing the best possible experience and care for patients. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Deep Dive. Today, we're joined by Kim Larson and Bill Newman. They're coming to us today from Group Dentistry Now. There's some very interesting trends and there's some very interesting activity happening in the DSO market. We're gonna dive deep into some of those best practices. We're gonna uncover some of the things that other organizations can learn from the DSOs and focus on some of the areas for opportunity for all of us. Kim Larson has been in healthcare publishing and marketing since 1991. She's really taken an interest in the DSO market and in 2014 realized that there was a great need for a publication focused solely to DSOs. She helped launch Group Dentistry Now and continues to support that publication as it continues to grow and it's following. Bill Newman is also here with us. Bill will be talking about his experience in working with DSOs, specifically on the consultant side. You're gonna to wanna to stay tuned for this episode. Welcome, Bill and Kim. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Hey, so one of the things that we had, you know, I was super excited to get you guys on the show because you're really tracking some really interesting things that are happening, uh, you know, as it pertains to DSOs and group dentistry. So why don't you kind of rewind the clock a little bit? Tell us about how you got into it. Tell us about what you guys are working on and kind of help people understand who you guys are. Okay, great. So I'm uh, Kim Larson, and we were uh, founded in 2014, and we are exclusively devoted to the DSO space. Um, our audience consists of large DSOs, emerging DSOs, small dental group practices, dentists, students, faculty, the teams in the offices, distributors, manufacturers, labs, you name it. PE as sales professionals, et cetera. And so um, we have an online publication with about 800 articles that are in some way, shape, and form related to the DSO industry. Um, every article we have up there is exclusively for the DSO space. And in addition to that, we have an um, e-newsletter that comes out twice a month, and um, that reaches our exclusive extensive audience as well. Yeah, and then um, I'll just chime in, and we also have a sister platform called Join DSO, which is uh, does, does a couple of different things. One, it actually matches job seekers with DSOs, and then also matches uh, dentists that have practices that are looking to sell to DSOs. And, you know, David, you kind of touched on something. I mean, some of the things we've got currently going on, we just published an article uh, we surveyed 65 DSOs uh, regarding their procurement process. It was a global uh, survey we did, and I've uh, got an article coming out in the near future that's uh, really uh, talking about the dozen or so DSO influencers and kind of what's going on uh, after the pandemic or during the pandemic, I should say, and you know, what their experiences are uh, currently. That's fantastic. You know, it's interesting that um, it, I think for a lot of us, we're kind of hungry for what's going on in this market. And so really trying to keep up with it is it's its own challenge, right? Like I really admire what you're trying to do in the space. 
um, because the the market's changing every single year. I mean, I think back when I started in dentistry, and I think it's different now. It's only been a couple of years, so it's it's a really interesting and and evolving kind of an area. Um, one of the things that really has occurred to me is is why do you think that is? Why is it so dynamic and evolving? Well, we're seeing one of the reasons that new dentists are getting involved with the industry. So that's that's one of the reasons that we're seeing the industry grow is just because of the cost of dental school. Uh, we just read in an article yesterday that the University of Pennsylvania, which isn't too far from where we are, um, $100,000 a year to go to their dental school. So you take those costs and and then you combine those costs with your undergraduate costs. And it's just it's it's nearly impossible for dentists to come out and and start a solo practice. So it's very appealing to them to join a DSO. Um, and now with COVID, of course, uh, there's a whole other factor involved with why DSOs are growing and will continue to grow. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is the existing solo practitioners uh, that that have practices are looking uh, to seek shelter from the storm or shelter from the pandemic, so to speak. So uh, you know, you're looking for you know, dealing with management issues, which you have hygienists not coming back, and assistants and those issues that they just can let leave the DSO handle that. So I think you're going to see. A lot of these uh, solos and in smaller groups look for somebody to handle those those management, whether they're HR or whether it's other things. Um, you know, overhead's been going up for for dental practices for years. I saw a survey uh, not too long ago. Uh, it was. 50% overhead in the 90s, let's say the mid 90s, and now that's crept up recently to the high 60s to low 70s. So when you kind of look at that and you go, wow, that's it's money out of the, the owner's pocket, so to speak. I think they're looking at that and saying, okay, how can we manage that uh, overhead and a DSO is a, a really nice solution. And just in the six years since we've started group dentistry now, we've seen huge shifts in the perceptions of DSOs. Uh, when it was first started, first of all, there was no content at all about DSOs and any content that there was out there about dental support organizations was extremely negative. So over these six years, we've seen a huge shift in the perception of DSOs and it is becoming more accepted. Um, and now post COVID or like <laughs> during, during COVID, COVID. <laughs> um, we're going to see that perception is continuing to change and people, dentists, solo practitioners even are looking to um, DSOs for guidance because and, and that's been one of the, the things that we've been doing on Group Dentistry now is, is catering to those solo practitioners who, are, who are, just don't really understand what to do. This is so unprecedented. So they are actually looking to DSO leadership for that. So you're, I think you're going to see DSOs just, just grow stronger and stronger uh, as we emerge hopefully soon from the pandemic. No, that makes a lot of sense. And and I think there's, it's very interesting to, you know, I look back even, you know, six or eight months ago, I mean, there was a battle chest of PE money that's sitting there waiting to be invested. And I think I, you know, what I'm seeing is I'm seeing some movement, but, you know, I can't put my finger on exactly why or where, but this is, I mean, these are, this is re really valuable insight. And I think people should be aware that, you know, there's some real tactical challenges that practices are dealing with right mm -hmm. now that they should just be aware of. Mm -hmm. So what trends do you see happening right now, you know, with group practices? Well, not just with group, well, with group practices and 
in the, in the, with solo practitioners, we're seeing a huge shift towards telehealth and teledentistry. Um, we're also seeing an emergence, a strong emergence for instruct infection control products. Patient and team safety is at the forefront. Uh, we're seeing a lot of products emerging and becoming hot topics about surrounding aerosol reduction and isolation. Also, UV lights is another big one that's coming out. And um, membership plans is huge because patients may not have the same insurance coverage that they once had. They may not have the same financial security that they once had. So membership plans are, are really becoming uh, very critical. Um, and we are still seeing an active M&A market. Yeah, I'll uh, just kind of tag onto what Kim said about M&A. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting what's going on there because initially everything paused in, in March because of COVID. And so there were a lot of LOIs that were, were out there that DSOs had on, on practices or small groups. And so everything was, was pretty much delayed for three months, six months. And you know, now as things start to open back up, they're starting to uh, close on some of these LOIs that they had. Um, so that it's, it's, it's getting back to where it was. Now our practice valuations or group valuations where they were, uh, not really. I mean, there are some, they're, they're definitely, you know, there's, there, there are some that are very similar, but mm-hmm. I think you're going to see at least short term, you're going to see practice valuations a little bit lower. Uh, you're going to see, and I also think you're going to see more, especially smaller practices, again, seeking shelter from the storm. So there's going to be more practices in the market, so to speak, some more inventory. Now, it may not be the inventory that DSOs want, but there are going to be more dentists that are looking to actually sell their practices. One other thing that's really interesting is you have you know, this, this group of, um, for lack of a better term, DSO brokers out there. They're, they're individual brokers that are now working with DSOs to actually uh, really put together uh, practices for sale to DSOs, so these roll-ups. And there's some big roll-ups that are uh, happening right now. So they're getting together uh, individual practices and they're duct taping them together and they're, they're, pra- they're packaging them for sale. So I think that's something that you're going to see more of coming out of this, uh, you know, during COVID. No, and that, that's really interesting because, you know, I, yeah, I've been seeing that trend as well. And I, and I find that from, uh, from valuation perspective, you know, organizations that did a better job at centralizing and standard operating procedures, they tend to fetch a little bit higher value in the market. So there's a lot of attention in that area. Um, you know, I see it because obviously I'm attached to the software side of it. But, you know, I think that's not uh, not isolated to just, you know, technology. I think it's also, you know, standardizing those workflows and, and really starting to mature maybe for some of those organizations having, you know, uh, you know, clinical uh, review processes and and starting to really mature like you know, what does our care look like? And, I, and I'm finding that that interest in care, it, it's a global interest. I think that we are, you know, I think that M&A is interesting. I think that what we're doing in patient care is also even more interesting. And so you're starting to see the DSOs start to glom onto those those pieces because that's why people went into dentistry in the first place, right? And I think that's a, a big part of kind of what I'm seeing uh, right now is an increased shift that way. I think dental membership plans, like you'd highlighted, Kim, is kind of one of those areas where it's like we're, we're trying to make uh, you know, care more affordable. And so I think those are going to be things that you continue to see uh, over the next couple of years for sure. 
Absolutely. In your specific communications with practices, you know, what challenges are you seeing them really kind of tackle right now? So we thought originally um, coming out of COVID, uh, or at least reopening during COVID, that um, patient recall was going to be the big issue, that patients were going to be frightened of coming back into the offices. And that's not necessarily what we're seeing. But our DSOs, what they're seeing is that they are having a tougher time getting hygienists and assistants back. Um, Dentists are fine for the most part coming back, but um, hygienists and assistants, so staffing is, is an issue. So you can't have the same production numbers if you don't have the staff there. But on a positive note, we're now seeing trade organizations like the ADA and the ADSO and some DSO leaders like Rick Workman and Stephen Thorne really verbal and vocal and stepping up and supporting the industry and coming out and saying, no, essentially, you know, we have to speak up for our profession and that dentistry is essential. And so now that that is happening and we're seeing ADA step up and other trade organizations and leaders in the DSO space, it's encouraging to see this because for, for a while there, you know, we weren't really seeing it. So, so that's really important. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right on Kim. I think the, you know, what David mentioned there really about communication, that that's one thing you kind of tie back to the success of some of these practices, the ones that are having the challenges weren't necessarily, you know, whether it's the owner doc or the DSO themselves, not weren't communicating with staff during the shutdown. Mm-hmm. And the ones that had good communication, you, know, you hear culture thrown around a lot, you know, culture, culture, culture. But, you know, that's that really ties into communication. It's like, well, what was the culture like when when things were shut down? I mean, did did you have that communication? What were you what were you telling your staff? So I think the the DSOs and the the emerging groups that had the, the great relationships with staff are the ones that really came out of this a lot stronger. I had staff that wanted to come back, felt secure because there was that communication that things were going to be handled safely. Um, so I, you know, that's kind of what we see. And then to Kim's point about the uh, organizations, you know, ADA and and ADSO really stepping up and and kind of helping out, and saying, "Hey, this is we are essential dentistry. All dentistry is essential. You know, not just root canals, right? Not just in a, it, it's it's everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, we we fought for so long to to." the oral systemic connection. And then that almost went out the window when COVID hit. And mm-hmm. it's like, wait a second, that's, that's, that's still important. It wasn't, didn't become less important because of COVID. No, I think you're spot on. I mean, I think that those are areas where, you know, I certainly see a lot of attention. I mean, you know, we definitely, the oral health connection is really driving kind of people getting back to this. And it's funny because regionally, I see a little bit of difference about, you know, whether people were anxious and engaged and jumping right back into the chair or whether they're being a little bit more cautious. And and I think it's one of those things where, you know, we had a nice pent up demand for dentistry because people want to take care of their health. And that is a part of taking care of your body. And I think it's one of those things that we continue to see in a, and, and how that will continue to progress. Um, I agree with you. I think dentistry is absolutely essential. And I think it's one of those things where 
Um, now that we've done a better job at maturing how we can protect our teams and our staff, I think that there's less concern that direction. Um, but I'm seeing, you know, people with challenges specifically on just getting people still back in the door. Like hiring is a, is a challenge for practices right now. I talked to one a little while ago. They got 120 resumes, you know, to 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 you know get somebody back into the into the chair. So, uh, you know, to help augment their staff. And I think it was really hard. You know, we went from people not wanting to go back to work. And now we've got that kind of springboard of everybody wants to get back to work. And I think that's going to be one of those areas where, you know, I think there's a little bit of a shuffling of the deck of talent. And I think that's a really great opportunity for um, DSOs specifically, but for practices in general, to really kind of hone in on, on who they want to select and, and join their team. Um, it's interesting. I remember this quote, you're talking about communication and having good culture. And I remember this quote from Peter Drucker. He said something along the lines of, you know, that culture trumps uh, strategy. And, and, and I think it's really interesting to kind of think about that because if you've got the right people and you've got the right team, then the right things will fall out. And I think that, you know, you execute well and you can get things done. And, um, you know, as a previous marketer in a previous life, I'm, I'm all about strategy and execution. But if you don't have the right culture, you can't get execution. I think that's a really important thing that we're seeing. So one of the things that you highlighted that people were doing really well was, you know, helping people kind of get back in the chair. Are there any other things that you were thinking about? Um, I mean, we kind of had a conversation earlier and, and, and Bill, just kind of fill me in. Were there any other things that you were kind of thinking about in that area where practices are really finding success today? Yeah, I think it's, that's a great question, you know, beyond the, the culture and the communication. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things. I think this is the time to embrace whether you're a, a DSO or whether you're, you know, a solo. It's embracing technology. So you see things like touchless technology now. A lot of it is, you know, and then you know, the, the patient appointments. It's, uh, it's really important to have that communication with the patient. We talked about the communication with the staff, but how can you have that communication, uh, you know, kind of almost alleviate the time that they spend in the waiting room uh, it's, it's, it's all well and good when you, the weather's great and they can sit in their cars, but you know, how do you, how do you get them in and, and out quickly? And really, you don't want to, you want the patient experience to be great, not just in the chair, but before they get there, I always think there's a, you know, there's this, Hey, if we provide great patient care, then that's, an, that's good enough. And it's like, no, it's a customer experience. So it's everything. From you know how that when you talk about your your uh, practice management software, it's that communication with the patient. You take them through. It's the billing process. It's the recall. You know that's all. I think you know maybe not quite as important as the patient care, right? The, the, but it's it's right up there, and everybody uh, wants that now. You want to be treated as a customer. You don't want to be treated just as a patient. So. I think that, that those are the types of things like touchless check-in and that adoption of technology and make people feel safe and, and rightly so. So it's that aerosol management, it's all the, this new technology and it's a lot and that costs money. And so that becomes an issue for solos. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Totally, totally see that. You know, it's interesting you highlighted, you know, that blend of technology and creating that customer or, or in this case, patient experience. You know, there's something that we talk about internally. We, we call it the, the patient 
uh, visit life cycle, right? I mean, there's there's a pre-ever showing up to the building, there's a whole bunch of things that need to happen. And if you're doing it right, you know, a lot of those things, I would call those, you know, touchless. Um, but there's a lot of activities that can be done pre and post being in the chair. And I think that kind of looking at that entire visit life cycle is really a critical part of defining where organizations should be going, particularly in these times. Absolutely. I think we also have to consider the oral health connection can keep driving that home. And I think that DSOs are well positioned to do that because I think that the more they drive home the oral the oral systemic connection to patients, the more patients will understand the importance of their oral care to their overall health. And now is the perfect time to seize on that. This is like a great moment to do that. Now is the time um, to do that. So I really think that DSOs are positioned to do that a little bit maybe more so than a solo practitioner. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me too. Um, you know, in our kind of broad conversation and and considering my audience and, and the people that are listening to this podcast, you know, we have people across public health and solo practices and even government dentistry, you know, listens to this. The goal of my podcast is really uh, of my podcast, of this podcast. It's not really mine. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. You know, I'm, I'm just a guy in a chair, you know. But uh, what's really funny about that is that our goal here is to really propagate best practices. So what do you think organizations, you know, in other areas of dentistry should really be learning from DSOs right now? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And quite frankly, I think their DSOs can probably learn from public health and, and from some of the things that solo practitioners are doing as well. Um, but I, I kind of you kind of go back to, OK, what are what, what's a, what is a DSO? Right. And it's all that it's the S. Right. It's the support. And so when you go, all right, well, what, what the heck is that? And it's really around. And, and again, I, I kind of I used to hear culture thrown around. I'm going to mention it again and go, oh, you know, what, what is culture? Because it's, it's this thing that's really kind of hard to determine. But uh, you know, I, I think that that is the way that really kind of builds that organization out. It's, it's, it, it keeps when we talk about HR and the struggles people have. I mean, a solid culture really keeps people connected. You know, there's a reason to stay. So I think that's something that really needs to be considered. And just, just some other things, I, I think it's, you know, what, when you think of DSOs, you think about the procurement process, right? Everything is looked at, you know, how do they, how do they buy products? It's not about necessarily um, getting the cheapest, right? It's not going around to 27 different websites and uh, saving five cents here and five cents there. It's about really kind of looking at, it, at the whole process and um, looking at the value versus the price. And then, so I think DSOs have really learned to do that. Um, you know, and again, I, I just think it's, it's also, it's, it's the, we go back to again, culture, it's the relationship, it's the clinical and, and, and the non-clinical and how, the, how they gel together. Uh, I think that DSOs are doing a better job. They can still do a, a better job, but they're doing a better job than they once were of not influencing the clinical decisions. And I think that's where really the emerging groups are strong, right? Because a lot of them are clinician owned and led. So, you know, the docs still own the practices. So I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, what are DSOs doing? What's that support mean? And a lot of that is, is wrapped around, you know, HR, recruiting, procurement, uh, practice management software. So it's like, how, do, how are all the practices aligned? They all should be doing the same thing. The call center, are they calling into individual practices or are they calling into one location? So, I, you know, it's, it's that 
hey, can we you know, rinse and repeat? What's, what, what are we doing really well in one practice that we can replicate across all sites? And, and I love that idea of really helping at an industry level, kind of, kind of looking at the benchmark, right? Like what does great standard of care look like? And what does a great efficiency model look like? And I think, you know, everybody's at a different stage in that process. And and I think it's foolish for us to think that, hey, I'm just gonna rebirth what we're doing tomorrow and, and it's gonna just magically work. It's it's a very incremental and progressive, you know, concept. And I, and I find that practices that are, you know, making little incremental changes year over year, those are the ones that are really thriving. And, uh, you know, I heard a friend of mine, he said in the in the DSO market once, he said, you know, it's not the biggest buying the small, it's the fastest consuming the slow. And I think it's really interesting if you think about it in that paradigm, you know, it's really about, you know, can we develop and respond to the market more quickly? And that gives us that competitive advantage. And I think these are some things that um, you guys really touched on and maybe not with that ex- exact wording, but I think that you really hit on some of those topics and, and I kind of see how that rings true. So to, again, tie into what you just said, David, I, I think what's really interesting is it's not the big buying the small. I mean, we've seen, and we've had a couple of um, mm-hmm. you know recent deals in the past year where you've got a smaller group that has built their S, their support, right? And they've centralized and they, they've done things the right way. And we've seen um, 20 lo- 15 location group by a 35 practice group mm-hmm. uh, because they one was centralized, one was run efficiently. They had the infrastructure to, to bring in another 35 locations where the other that they were acquiring had not integrated everything. So just, just to your point, we've seen examples like that and we're going to continue to see them where the, the well-built out DSOs are going to be able to take advantage of of their investment in the in the S in the support. So, you know, we're just getting to that toward the end of our time. Unfortunately, I have like fifty more questions I could ask you guys, and and maybe we'll do that another day. Um, but you know, what you know, how could people get in touch with you? How do they connect with you and learn about a little bit more about what you guys are doing? So we have a website, groupdentistrynow.com, and then you can connect personally with Bill and I on LinkedIn. Um, Kim Larson on LinkedIn. And I have about 25,000 followers, I guess. So I, it's really great. It's a great way for, for me to get the message of DSOs and group dentistry out to our, our big audience. And then Bill can be, are you Bill Newman or William Newman on LinkedIn? I don't even know. I don't even know either. I, I, think, it's, I think it's Bill Newman. Um, but yeah, I, I think I have about 12,000 followers. So I'm lacking compared to Kim with her 25,000. But yeah, it's, it's really the way we do a lot of our uh, so, social media, as well as Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, we're also Group Dentistry Now is on Facebook and, and at Group Dentistry on Twitter. And our email addresses are kim.larson at groupdentistrynow.com. William.Newman at groupdentistrynow.com. Perfect. Well, thanks again for being here. I think that this was a really interesting conversation. I'm sure Kim wants to chime in one more thing. I'm sorry. I just want to say, and we also have a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we have a podcast. And, and David, you were on there just recently. That's right. <laughs> That's true. How can we forget about that? <laughs> How can we forget? So uh, please join our podcast as well. and um, As well as listen to this one, but yeah. I guess you are if you're hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much and uh, look forward to catching up with you soon and uh, best of luck to you. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.
We are so glad that Kim and Bill joined us today. This was an absolutely fantastic conversation. It was really interesting to really focus in on some of the current trends that are happening in the DSO market. What's going on specifically with membership plans and telehealth and dentistry. We really appreciate Kim and Bill being here. So thank you. Join us in our next episode as we'll be diving deep into onboarding best practices for staff. We know that a lot of dental practices in the market right now have been struggling with staff and staff management, and we wanted to go deep on that subject. So in our next episode, Jamie Westfall will join us as an expert in training and onboarding of practices, and we'll really focus in on some of the things that you can do to do a better job than you're doing today. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Dentrix Enterprise, who has continued to support us in this podcast. One of the things that we talked about today was some of the best practices around improving business operations. Dentrix Enterprise is really geared toward helping practices centralize their operations and improve efficiencies within the practice. If you'd like to learn more about how Dentrix Enterprise can help your practice, please reach out to them at dentrixenterprise.com forward slash dental deep dive.